This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Overall, it was a one-in-a-lifetime experience. Tonight, hard landing. What we're learning after a pilot sets down on a road in Surrey. Plus... A house goes up in flames, but it's not just possessions a Chilliwack family has lost. And after a horrific accident at an island racetrack, an update on a new dad who wasn't expected to survive. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. It is being dubbed a beautiful landing. A pilot teaching a student to fly yesterday suddenly found himself in a very teachable moment. In trouble over Surrey, he ended up having to make an emergency landing right in the middle of rush hour traffic. Kristen Robinson has our top story. Drivers slowed down when they saw it coming. An interesting approach even for the flight school involved. Yeah, you can say that. You don't have that every day. <laughs> Peter Schleek's instructor landing the Cessna 152 on Highway 17 in Surrey at the tail end of rush hour without a scratch. The trucks that he passed noticed obviously what happened and slowed down and blocked the highway and he was able to land the plane and uh, it was a perfect landing. The Canadian Flight Centre pilot instructor and student unscathed after the school's small plane ran into a fuel emergency. It was one of these fuel caps that went missing, so that fuel from the wing tanks siphoned out during flight. Without enough fuel to make it home, they were forced to bring it down on the highway. When I see the plane coming, coming down, because it was in the air, and then you see it coming all the way down, and I was like... Oh, that, that plane's going to crash. Turns out the pair on board had just finished a training flight in forced landings. That drill becoming a practical lesson. One that we don't want to repeat, but one that we have to be ready for. He did it well, man. He, I think he's filming a movie or something. Yeah, that's what I thought. After refueling the plane and securing a new fuel cap, the Transportation Safety Board cleared the 1978-built Cessna for takeoff from the road where it touched down. The school's 40-year record of no injuries still flying high. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A Chilliwack family managed to escape a raging house fire that killed two of their pets. Just after 9.30 this morning, flames ripped through their home in the 45800 block of South Sumas Road. Firefighters managed to stop the flames from spreading, but the two-story house was destroyed. Two pickup trucks were also damaged. Fortunately, a man and his two teenage sons got out safely. And the father suffered smoke inhalation and a minor burned to one arm. Two cats, however, did not survive. The cause of the fire is under investigation, but it is considered accidental. 
Also in Chilliwack, a woman has died after being hit by a train near Evans and Ashwell today. The area has been closed while RCMP, the BC Coroner Service and CN Rail investigate. Vancouver police want to speak to any witnesses of an early morning stabbing in downtown Vancouver. The attack was sparked by a dispute over a limo for hire. Police say two groups of teens got into an argument over the limo on Seymour near Dunsmere just before 3 o'clock this morning. The groups apparently did not know each other. The dispute escalated and a 19-year-old international student was stabbed. His injuries are said to be serious. One other young man suffered minor injuries when he was punched. The suspects ran from the scene but were arrested a short time later. They remain in custody. If you saw what happened or have cell phone video, you're asked to call the VPD or Crime Stoppers. The senseless death of an 18-year-old boy is still being felt nearly eight years later. Jamie Kehoe was stabbed in the throat on a transit bus in Surrey. His family was devastated again when Crown Council said they would not be proceeding with charges. Well, now, as Julia Foy reports, the boy's mother has found a message from a witness to the crime who says she's still traumatized by what she saw. Here, there's a baby picture of Jamie. And then these are also pictures of Jamie when he was younger. Memories of Jamie Kehoe are everywhere around his mom's Chilliwack home. He is outgoing. He's silly. He's funny. He was so smart. But Jamie's life was cut short at 18 when he was stabbed to death on a Surrey bus in October of 2011. His family was devastated. There's so much anger. I go through my little spurts. You know, sometimes I'm numb. And I, and I cry. You know, I have the rest of my life to grieve about this, and right now I need to fight for my son. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team recommended three charges to Crown Counsel, but the criminal justice branch never approved the charges, saying, while it's likely the identified suspect did stab Jamie, Crown is unable to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he wasn't acting in self-defense. This is the main type. On June 8th, Tammy went to post on Jamie's memorial page on what would have been his 26th birthday. What she discovered was a heartbreaking note from a young woman who says she was a witness to Jamie's death and blames herself for not saving him. I feel sad that I wasn't able to help or tell my story. I never even told my father. Just came home and threw my blood-stained jacket away and went to bed. Kehoe was shocked to read that as a 15-year-old girl, she claims to have witnessed the fight, called 911, and tried to stop the bleeding. But Jamie did not survive. I don't. I don't even. I can't even explain how it makes me feel. I. It's. Um, it just. It's overwhelming. Kehoe is concerned this witness may never have been able to give an important statement to police. She's also making a plea to the young woman to make contact again so they can work together through the guilt and trauma she seems to be suffering from. I think just giving her a hug might even help just a little bit. You know, like she's one of the people who's seen him alive last. Julia Foy, Global News. Rival demonstrations today at the Vancouver Art Gallery over the Soji 123 program. Organizers of the Step Up Speak Up rally claim their freedom of speech and parental rights are being violated over their opposition to Soji. That policy brings gender identity and sexual orientation talks into the classroom. Nearly all school districts in the province have adopted the curriculum. Those opposed faced off against protesters who spoke out in favor of LGBTQ2 rights. 
Five years after a late-night street fight left one man dead, a jury reached a decision in a Kelowna courtroom today. Jules Knox has more on the guilty verdict in this emotionally charged case. After deliberating for about a day and a half, the jury reached its decision. It found Stephen Perko guilty of the second-degree murder of 32-year-old Chris Osman. The victim's family sobbed as the verdict was announced. Perko buried his face in his hands. I am surprised by the verdict. Um, it's uh, a tough situation. Court heard that back in January 2014, Perko jumped into a bloody street fight between his friend and Osman, pulling out a hammer and hitting the victim on the head. Although he was questioned a few days after the murder, Perko lied to police and wouldn't be arrested for nearly three years. During trial, he took the stand for five days, saying he never intended to kill Osman, that he was only trying to protect his friend. It's been horrible. <laughs> like, he's had this hanging over his head for over three years, and uh, it's a tragic situation for him and obviously for the Osman family. So it's been a horrible experience. Perko will face life in prison for second-degree murder. The jury of seven women and five men recommended that he be ineligible for parole for 12 years but that decision is ultimately up to the judge. The case will be back in court on July 2nd to fix a date for sentencing. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. A former Liberal Environment Minister is lobbying the Trudeau cabinet to reject the twinning of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, saying there's no economic basis for the project. David Anderson served 10 years in the cabinets of Prime Ministers Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin. He sent a letter to six members of Justin Trudeau's cabinet this week. He writes, there is no credible evidence to suggest that Asia is likely to be a reliable or significant market for bitumen. He says compared to conventional light and medium crude oil from Africa and the Middle East, Alberta bitumen is expensive to produce and hard to handle. The federal government is set to announce a final decision about the controversial project by Tuesday. The province's new employer health tax officially kicks in today. B.C. businesses, including this Port Moody bakery and coffee shop, will now start paying the tax. It was brought in by the provincial NDP when it eliminated fees for the MSP. Independent businesses have spoken out against it, saying they will be hit particularly hard. And right now, we need immediate relief. We're hearing from our members um, that they're worried they're not going to be able to hire that additional employee because of this aggressive payroll tax. So immediate action is really needed. What CFIB is asking the government to do is first and foremost, create a more fair balance between what employers are paying and what residents are paying in British Columbia. Because right now, employers are footing the entire bill for health care costs. And there are some exemptions. A business with a payroll of at least $800,000 would pay $8,775 a year. Some smaller businesses don't have to pay it at all. A Surrey man is enjoying his first Father's Day weekend with his wife and baby, a child whose arrival he didn't even know about at the time. Jonathan Sedman was nearly killed last year at a Vancouver Island speedway. The accident put him in a coma and his wife into labor. But as Jill Bennett reports, he's well on the road to recovery. Just a few months ago, Jonathan Sedman didn't know if he would ever walk again, let alone celebrate Father's Day with his new son. It's just amazing on, on how much we went through. I mean, we go from, you know, here we are doing a fireworks show to all of a sudden I'm waking up and, and, and I can kind of see people and I hear you're, you're at the hospital. 
Sedman, a pyrotechnics professional, was setting up fireworks at the Saratoga Speedway on Vancouver Island last September. A race car lost control, jumped the barricade, and landed on top of him. The crash broke five ribs, Sedman's pelvis and left hip. He also ruptured his bladder and he had a brain bleed. He was flown to VGH, but soon after, his partner, eight months pregnant, went into labor, giving birth to their son while Sedman was heavily sedated. He's helped me because back in the day when we were in the hospital, um, I was starting to get, you know, videos of him starting to make sounds for the first time and, and, and basically just do different things, you know, roll over and stuff. And I was missing that, and I really wanted to be there for that. Okay, let's go see Daddy. Sedman was able to meet his son and help name him Caden, even though he still had a long and uncertain recovery ahead. While in the hospital, he got flesh-eating disease, but overcame that as well. It was hard. It was, it was hard, but we did what we had to do and made it through. Sedman's partner was there throughout with a newborn baby who spent his first two weeks in intensive care at the same time dealing with another loss. Krista lost her dad a couple weeks prior. Meisner's dad was killed in this crash in Surrey, hit by a vehicle while he crossed the street. It's one more reason why getting to the milestone of celebrating a special weekend as a family is even more important. It's definitely been a journey, but uh, we're here. Because I'm you know, always used to you know, celebrating my dad's Father's Day. Now it's, you know, now it's also... My turn now. Jill Bennett, Global News. It's uh, decomposing faster than we thought. Ocean scientists just south of the border are asking private landowners for help in dealing with the unusual circumstances that have seen 70 gray whales die along the west coast from California to Alaska. This Puget Sound couple is allowing a gray whale that died in a shipping lane south of their beachfront home to decompose in their backyard. Wildlife officials need somewhere to dissect it. About 30 gray whales have stranded along Washington state this year. That's about that's the most in about two decades. It's just a really unique opportunity, too, to have this here on the beach and just monitor it and see how fast it goes. It's not that bad, so that's why we're hoping other landowners would, would do this. With the unusual mortality event of these gray whales, we know more whales will be coming in. or There's a high likelihood that more whales will die within Puget Sound and out on the coast. Another large crowd outside the Chinese consulate in Vancouver today keeping up pressure on the Hong Kong government over a controversial extradition bill. Fears about the impact of the legislation, if it's passed, have led to weeks of violent clashes between protesters and police. And as Nadia Stewart reports, an attempt today to quell those concerns isn't swaying the masses. Protesters line the sidewalk outside the Chinese consulate on Granville Street. Right now, we have some people wounded in the protest by the excessive police force. A show of solidarity, sending a message to Hong Kong's political leaders. We have to be really strong, strong in the overseas Hong Kongers and also the Canadians. We have to stick together against the Hong Kong government's um, amending this law. Their proposed law is an extradition bill, one that would have given authorities in the territory the power to send individuals to mainland China for trial. But Saturday morning, Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, announced the controversial bill is now suspended. After repeated internal deliberations over the last two days, I now announce that the government has decided to suspend the legislative amendment exercise. 
In Hong Kong, demonstrators opposing the proposed bill were met with tear gas, rubber bullets and pepper spray from police, drawing criticism from the community here in Vancouver who are calling on Canada and the international community to condemn the incident. They're using excessive force to uh, a lot of people that they don't have any weapon, a lot of students and young people. In Vancouver, there is little faith the suspension of the bill means government has completely relented. We need to have the word that like the bill has to be completely scrapped, basically. Until then, they say demonstrations here and in Hong Kong will continue. Nadia Stork, Global News. Some drama on the Vancouver waterfront today, or at least that's what it looked like. This wasn't actually an emergency, only a demonstration. Part of the World Maritime Rescue Congress on until Tuesday at the Vancouver Convention Center. Teams from the Air Force, Navy, U.S. and Canadian Coast Guard, as well as Royal Canadian Marine Search and Rescue, took part in today's exercises. And boy... Did they ever have a nice day for it? They certainly did. Cash is here. Hello. Is here. Hello. Yeah, beautiful day out there. It was just incredible out there. We kicked off the day with a fair amount of marine cloud cover. Some people were thinking, is it going to rain? Uh, oh, no, it didn't. That burnt off quite quickly this morning. And then we had fair weather skies right across the province, especially the southern half of the province. Now, tomorrow... Very similar weather picture, though we are tracking some instability. We could be seeing some thunder showers, so I'll show you where coming up. Okay. Thanks, mm -hmm. Kesha. Busy day. Oh, Hello. my gosh. It is busy. We got uh, the Lions home opener, of course, yeah. coming up. Uh, we're going to hear a lot about that. Here from the players, they're very excited. A lot of new uh, players in the Lions lineup this year. And both uh, Canadian national soccer teams played. Of course, the women are at the World Cup in France, and they won. We have highlights of that. The men are at the Gold Cup down in California. And the U.S. Open is also going on, amongst other things. Holy so smoke. Very, very busy. I've been uh, been turning a lot of channels. My thumbs are getting they a little sore back sore there. But, you know, thumbs. as I say, someone's got to do it, and I'm glad it's me. And we're going we're gonna <laughs> to check in on the uh, Lions home opener a little bit later mm -hmm. on in the show. Tragedy in Poland. A plane crashed into a river, instantly killing the pilot. The pilot was trying to perform a tailspin aerobatic maneuver when he somehow lost control. The plane fell fast and hit the water at high speed. Terror at a California Costco. One man was killed and two others, including an off-duty police officer, were wounded in a shooting. The gunman opened fire last night at a Costco in Corona, about 80 kilometers east of downtown Los Angeles. The gunfire sent panicked shoppers running for cover and racing for the exits. Police say the suspect was arguing with customers when he shot and killed a man. In Paris today, the first mass at Notre Dame Cathedral was held since April's devastating fire. For security reasons and because the vaulted ceiling could still collapse, only about 30 people were admitted inside for the service. Wearing hard hats and near a pile of debris, today a small group of priests, cathedral staff and restoration workers celebrated the first mass since Notre Dame's catastrophic fire. Inside, a detailed look of the open, charred roof of the iconic cathedral. The mass held in the Chapel of the Virgin, a place deemed safe. Its stained glass windows a reminder of what wasn't lost. I think it shows promise for, like, the future, like rebuilding everything. The April 15th fire destroyed Notre Dame's roof. The cathedral spire crashing down, stunning onlookers. Oh my God, these people just fell inside the church. 
and prompting a worldwide outpouring of pledges to help restore the 850-year-old symbol of Paris. But only a fraction of the funds have come in, just $200 million of the almost $1 billion pledged. The Archbishop of Paris saying, we have to believe in people's words, otherwise we cannot live together. In the months since the fire, about 150 workers have been clearing the fallen gravel and trying to stabilize the cathedral. This safety phase is expected to last until about mid-August, when workers hope to turn their attention to the cathedral's rooftop. A growing number of magnet fishers are clearing France's waterways for fun. The hobby is booming thanks to technological improvements in magnets. The most powerful can attract items weighing as much as 1,700 pounds and cost only about $100. Some people even caught World War II-era rifles. In Health Matters tonight, Health Canada is cracking down on vape stores across the country. Inspectors will be looking for more than just illegal sales. 3,000 Canadian retailers, including online specialty and convenience stores, are under scrutiny. And they're not just catching sales to minors. Stores aren't allowed to target vaping products, advertisements, or promotions to teenagers. That includes kid-friendly flavors like cotton candy, Lifestyle ads, testimonials and endorsements for products are also prohibited. Some feel this crackdown is long overdue. Nicotine is uniquely addictive. It's one of the most addictive substances on the planet. So uh, even if kids are playing with it, they have the potential, to, serious potential, to become addicted. Today is World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. Despite numerous educational programs and awareness campaigns, the program continues to grow. Abuse can be physical or emotional and include neglect. And in many cases, it's perpetrated by a person of trust, including a family member. We need to all be aware, and as family, friends and neighbours, we can all engage in this issue by identifying it, having compassionate conversations with seniors. If you notice something odd, being, uh, being inquisitive, what's happening, and connecting to resources. Well, if only pictures could smell, I mean talk. A bizarre incident in Oregon was all caught on camera. A security camera at a Portland hardware store last week caught a group of people climbing out of a sewer. First, you see a manhole cover moving before a person pops out. Moments later, there's another person, followed by a third, each of them holding flashlights. Environmental officials call this act dangerous because of the low levels of oxygen in the sewer system and, of course... The untreated sewage. Oh, my goodness, Kesha. I, I don't even want nope. to imagine. No, yep. let's just leave oh, it alone. <laughs> leave it alone. Let's go to the beautiful weather you've got. Let's, let's go uh, in that direction, shall we? We are looking up to beautiful skies right now. Temperatures are sitting at 22. Our daytime high, that's at YVR. And uh, a look at our almanac today so it was back in 69 that we reached 26 that was the record setter so obviously not a record breaker today i want to take your attention to sundown today 9 19 that is 16 hours and 13 minutes of daylight for us now Hey, how about that? Beautiful daylight was had in the southern Okanagan, or at least the southern half of the province, where we looked up to beautiful sunny skies and just a few clouds over here where temperatures topped out at 31 degrees in Kelowna. Soyuz was at 30. Meanwhile, the hot spot in the entire country... 
goes to Ashcroft at 32.2 and climbing. So these are preliminary numbers. That's just uh, the situation at this hour. Meanwhile, for your Father's Day for the southern half of the province, we're going to be looking at temperatures near the 30 degree mark yet again. A very similar weather picture to what we saw today, though we do have a chance of showers, even thunder showers for this general area. I'll show you that coming up. But we have been tracking the showers over high to Gwaii today. Also, the north coast that continues through the evening and the overnight. And now we're starting to watch some cloud cover bubble up right along the border and starting to see some showers. That is just the tip of the iceberg. Look at this frontal boundary that's making its way right across the U.S. We are seeing tornado watches and warnings in effect and chilling video making its rounds over social media like this. So uh, unfortunately, it's a big weather day stateside yet again. Meanwhile, for us across the country tomorrow, it looks like this. The eastern flank of the country looks great with a sun cloud mix and temperatures slightly below seasonal, very much below seasonal for St. John's, only a high of nine. We're going to be ranging between 21 and 20 to 24 degrees for coastal sections. A look at the active weather. It is confined to the northwest of the province, but tomorrow afternoon, we do start to see an isolated shower pop up through the southern interior and then another round of rainy weather, especially for the northern half of the province come Tuesday. A look at your long range forecast beginning in the BCPs, where we still do have a risk of thunderstorms near the Rockies this evening. We are looking at a sun cloud mix and a slight chance of a shower tomorrow. White Horse, a chance of showers overnight and Sunday morning, mostly cloudy skies tomorrow. The North Coast, showers tonight and ending tomorrow morning, mostly cloudy skies for your Father's Day. The Caribou in the Central Interior, a chance of thunder showers over here tomorrow. 25 degrees, a 30% chance of showers. For the Columbia and the Kootenai region, a 30% chance of showers also. Temperatures over the 30 degree mark on your Sunday, on your Monday as well. Thompson, Okanagan, also a hot one. Winds picking up at 30K an hour, 29 degrees on your Sunday with a slight chance of a shower. Whistler looks great at 25 and up and down the island. A fair weather day it will be for inland sections, 26 degrees. Look at this long range forecast. Colleen. Looking good. Thanks so much. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Kesha. Okay, have a look at this. A fast food drive through in Pasadena, California became a ride through this week. Five men rode up on horses to a McDonald's window on Thursday and placed their orders. Good for them. We are only minutes away from the start of the BC Lions season home opener at BC Place. That is where we find our Michael Newman tonight. Michael. Hey, hey, hey. As you can see behind me, the party has started. I'm here in Terry Fox Plaza. And uh, fans are getting ready to root on as the BC Lions take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Joining me right now, I have BC Lions president, Rick Lalacher. So tell us, obviously there's an ambiance going on out here on the plaza. So what can people expect from the, from the game today? There is, and there's still time to get down here and buy a ticket. But we're really making it fan-friendly, not just new things on the field, but new things off the field, where fans come and just have a lot of fun with families and friends. 
music. They're having a party behind us right now. But it's cool to see how the fans can kind of engage in a different way. You know, as we kick off the season, people are looking for a, a really new team with bringing a lot of good stuff to the to the field today. So what can people expect from the game itself? Well, we got a new coach, a lot of new players. Uh, we're going to be very entertaining, I think. Uh, it'll take maybe a while for the team to gel together, but we have some very uh, tall receivers, some speed, uh, great quarterback in Mike Riley, and uh, the coaches are ready. Hopefully the players are ready, and we'll see what we have. Okay, and where, where is this band from? It's like a like, college football game in, in the States they're, here. They're from Abbotsford. They're going to be here every game out here before the game and then in the stadium during the game. All right, awesome. Yeah, I'm feeling the excitement. You know, you want to watch the football, hear some music. It's a great, great occasion. So come on down. The game starts at 7 o'clock tonight, but it's this is the kickoff of the season. So be a BC Lions fan this year. It's going to be a great season. Thank you so much, Coach. So send it back to you. Thanks so much, Michael. Okay, Barry, we need a band behind us. I was just going to say, I wouldn't mind having uh, someone to play me out in between breaks, especially. I think it awesome. really keeps the momentum going. Totally. We're going to have uh, more from the Lions players. We talked to you earlier this week talking about the big game, but we're going to start with the. We got some football. We're going to start with football, with some football. soccer to start. All right. Yeah, it's calling. Uh, Canada's national women's soccer team is ranked fifth in the world, but they truly believe they can beat any of the teams above them and are legitimate contenders for the trophy at this year's Women's World Cup in France. They eased their way into the tournament with a business-like 1-0 win over Cameroon last Monday. Today, a much tougher test against 19th-ranked New Zealand, but a match Canada really should win convincingly. And with a victory, Canada would secure a spot in the knockout stage. Uh, 18th minute, Canada with a golden chance. Christine Sinclair with the header. Hits the crossbar. Kadisha Buchanan, her header also blocked. That should have been into the back of the net, but nil-nil at the half. But Canada does strike early second half. Nichelle Prince, perfect setup for Jesse Fleming. Cooley finds the corner. That's the kind of finish they will need to go deep in the tournament. 72nd minute, Sinclair, great service into the box. Nichelle Prince with the header, but a fantastic diving save by the New Zealand goalkeeper. Keeps it 1-0, but Canada just kept on coming. Sinclair in tight again. Hits the post this time, but Prince is there to clean it up. Knocks in the second Canadian goal. That's the way it ends. Canada wins 2-0. They have two wins, six points so far. And they, thanks to that victory, are through to the knockout stage. Now, also in Group E earlier, Netherlands and Cameroon. The Dutch with a chance to advance to the knockout stage with a win. Second half tied at one. Netherlands that regain the lead thanks to a fortunate bounce in the box. Dominique Bloodworth will not miss from there. 2-1 Dutch. And then in the 85th, Viviane Miedema with the bullet right footer. Second of the match, Dutch win 3-1. They're also through to the knockout stage. Canada and the Netherlands meet Thursday with first place in Group E on the line. Meanwhile, the Canadian men's national team playing its opener in the Gold Cup against Martinique from the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Alfonso Davies, always a target, gets stepped on. His ankle takes a whack as well, but the kid pops up and he stayed in the game. Canada, great chance to get on the board, but Mark Anthony Kay is thwarted by the Martinique keeper, but it was uh, just a matter of time before Canada broke through against a very uh, overmatched Martinique squad later in the half. 
Martinique with the egregious turnover. And it's 19-year-old Jonathan David who goes in alone, shows some poise, fires it in, 1-0 Canada. Martinique had some chances in this game, but goalkeeper Milan Borjan with a great save, 1-0 at the half. In the second half, Canada puts the pedal down. Samuel Piet, great ball over the top to David, who settles it and blasts home his second of the game, 2-0 Canada. And then Alfonso Davies with his great speed and pressure forces the turnover, and he will set up Junior Hoylet with a fantastic pass there. That made it 3-0. Canada added one more, and they start off their Gold Cup with a 4-0 win over Martinique. Meanwhile, the Copa America from Brazil, Lionel Messi in Argentina taking on Colombia today. Messi in his fifth Copa has yet to win it. No goals until the 71st, and it's Colombia who get on the board. Roger Martinez with a thumper, a rocket to the back of the net. And then in the 86th, Duvon Zapata will finish the cross, makes it 2-0 Colombia. A nightmare start for Messi in Argentina. They lose their opener at the Copa America 2-0. Well, as we heard earlier, the Lions are just about 20 minutes away from kicking off their 2019 season. So many changes at key positions this year. New coach, new quarterback, and new attitude. This is a team that expects to win and do it in style, and that's the impression they want to leave on the fans tonight. I want them to be excited to come watch us play. You know, we get nine home games, hopefully ten, you know, with a, a playoff game. And so uh, we, we want them to be excited. You know, every time we have a game on the weekend, we want the city to be ready to come watch the Lions play. You know, we want to give them their money's worth and they buy that ticket. And um, we definitely plan on doing that. We're going to play for our fans. We, we're going to protect our house. And it's a new BC Lions. Now, the Lions have a new advertising campaign to kick off the season. Some of the players and new head coach Devon Claybrooks are on city buses. For Claybrooks, seeing his own face on a bus is a new experience. I just didn't realize how big my head was. I mean, I heard a lot of speculation, but when it's on the side of a bus, and then my mom, my mom head was all excited because she's like, from a small town in Martinsville, Virginia, to on a bus in Vancouver. So, so that's always, it's always a blessing. Yeah, he knocked his mom's impression out of the park. That's exactly how she, she sounds. A CFL tonight rematch of last year's Grey Cup. Red Blacks and Stamps. Calgary, of course, won the big game last November. First quarter, Bo Levi Mitchell airing it out to Jawan Breskison, a 50-yarder, 21-17. Third quarter, Dominique Davis, the Ottawa quarterback. His pass tip, Brandon Smith picks it off. 49 yards the other way for the pick six, but it's a close ball game. They are midway through the fourth, 28-22 Stamps lead. Welcome back. This year's U.S. Open at Pebble Beach hasn't been typical of what we've seen in recent years from the USGA. Maybe they are tired of players complaining that the courses are set up unfairly. Through two rounds at Pebble, there have been a lot of birdies and low scores. Par golf will not cut it like it has at many U.S. Opens over the past couple of decades. You would be hard-pressed to find a more beautiful setting for golf than Pebble Beach on the Monterey Peninsula in Northern California. Tiger Woods even par when the day began, nine off the lead. Tiger had a couple bogeys early, pulled it back somewhat with this long birdie at 16, but an even par 71, 27th place, even par, not in contention. Phil Mickelson had a typical Phil day in round three. How about the tee shot on the par three? This is fantastic. The best of the day to two feet. He would make that for birdie, but then in Typical Phil fashion, he finished with a triple bogey eight on the 18th. He's well back at plus three. Second round leader, Gary Woodland of the U.S. Great approach to the fourth here to a couple of feet. Made that birdie, gets to double digits at minus 10. Two-time champ, Brooks Kepka 
at the 10th. We'll knock that in for birdie to get to seven under and three off the lead. More from Woodland at the 11th. His approach over top of the hole, but he will suck this back with some major backspin. That is another birdie for Woodland who gets to 11 under. What a shot from our leader. American Ches Reeve also feeling it with the putter from off the green. This is from 30 feet, second straight putter for Reeve. He's right in the uh, thick of things at seven under, third place, four back. Justin Rose began the day in second. Birdie at 12, gets to within two of Woodland. Back to Kepka in trouble at the 15th. Off the green, needs this for par. Now, but he is the two-time champ for a reason. Check this out. What a putt by Kepka. Stays at seven under, four back of Woodland. But Woodland would not be outdone on 15 from 40 feet uphill. That's for par. Huge momentum saver for Woodland. He is playing 18 right now with Justin Rose. He's got a two-shot lead on Rose, four on Kepka. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor, nice round today, one under 70. He's tied for 33rd at plus one. The LPGA stop is in Michigan for the Meyer LPGA Classic. Canada's Brooke Henderson with back-to-back eight under 64s in her first two rounds at a three-shot lead entering Saturday's third round, and she kept it going. Beautiful approach at the third to three feet, made that for birdie. Struggled a bit mid-round, but then picked it up again late. Tied for the lead at 16, but then goes back in front thanks to that Dart approach shot inside four feet, takes the lead at minus 17. The low round of the day was American Lexi Thompson, and she went way low. A fantastic approach at the par 5 18th, lands that to two feet for Eagle, 10 under 62 for Thompson, shoots into third place now at 16 under. Henderson, though, birdied her final three holes, including this 20-footer on the 17th. Brooke at 19 under, a two-shot lead as she goes for her ninth career LPGA win. Baseball now, Jays in Houston to play the Astros. A lot of good teams in the American League, and the uh, Jays are running into a lot of them. Jordan Alvarez with the solo homer here made it 3-0 Houston. And then in the sixth, Josh Reddick taking it out of the yard. That is a park that yields a lot of homers, and Houston hit a couple today as they beat the Blue Jays 7-2. I'm a hometown hero, baby! That's Patrick Maroon. He had a light beer in his hand. I I don't believe it, actually. Uh, The Stanley Cup champion Blues had their parade and fan celebration today. Hundreds of thousands came out to honor the Blues, who won their first cup in 52 years with their Game 7 win in Boston on Wednesday night. Blues fans have suffered through some major heartache, but finally got their prize. Despite the fact they were 31st and last in the NHL back on January 2nd, it's the latest ever worst-to-first cup champ in NHL history. So, Canuck fans... There is some hope. There is hope. And speaking of partying, apparently the Raptors stayed an extra night in Vegas. Apparently. apparently. Yeah. We'll they never were... know because no one ever talks about their Vegas experiences. No. We know it's the rules. I don't make it up. That's just it. Because they were supposed they're coming to, back today. They were supposed to come back tonight, but there is word that they might not they come back They might even come tomorrow. for another one, yeah. Why not, you know? <sighs> they're sleeping it up. You know, if, Drake, if Drake's supplying the champagne, <laughs> oh I say keep going. <laughs> um, Barry, you know, most of us don't think of walking as a a communal activity, but a program in Richmond is using it to bring people together and explore the community's history. And once again, here's Michael Newman. And sidestep. For many, walking with friends is a casual pastime. 
But for some in Richmond, walking has turned into something more. I tended to walk a lot, but I found I was walking all by myself. And I, I read about the program in the local paper, and I thought, hey, there's people. I'm going to walk with people. We're going to go up into the Minaroo Lakes area. You're going to see a waterfall. The City of Richmond Parks and Recreation hosts a long-standing free program coined Walk Richmond, which brings people together weekly to walk in different parts of the city. The aim? To promote an active lifestyle, learn about Richmond, and make social connections in their community. And doing it by yourself is just not fun. So I, I liked going out to meet new people, and I got to see what Richmond was all about. Weekly, walk leaders guide participants through different areas of Richmond, introducing new places of interest, natural wildlife in the area. A heron right there. That which both longtime locals and those new to town can appreciate. It's great for new immigrants. They learn about their community. They learn about the uh, playgrounds, the parks, the trails. Um, they feel safe once they've come out with our walks and they learn that they can go on some of those trails that maybe they wouldn't have done on their own. The program, which runs year-round rain or shine, hopes to encourage residents to get the recommended 30 to 60 minutes of daily physical activity to ensure good health. If I keep moving my, my joints, my muscles, then I feel better. I feel better about me. I feel better about being able to be a, a nanny to a six-year-old. And at a time with an increasing aging population and growing social isolation, many participants see the walk not only as a way to get their steps in, but also as a conduit to connection. Case in point, the inseparable Judy and Pam. It's just we've become very close friends, and as I say, we've just done another uh, two-week road trip, and I wouldn't have had a friend like that if I hadn't maybe possibly joined the, the walking group. So Good walk! Good work! All right! Michael Newman, Global News. Okay, Edmonton was the place to be for Sex and the City fans. Actor and entrepreneur Sarah Jessica Parker was at the West Edmonton Mall to launch her first Canadian store. I'm meeting Carrie Bradshaw, like that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Before shopping, hundreds of people took in a fashion show. Spectators lined both levels of the mall for a chance to meet and or just get a look at SJP, as she is often called. This was part of introducing Parker's fashion collection. Her store, also called SJP, will carry shoes handcrafted in Italy, as well as accessories and apparel designed by her. When it came to choosing a Canadian location, Parker says it sort of chose them shared that they had been sort of paying attention to our business and watched it grow and that they thought that there might be a hospitable home for it here, our business here in Edmonton. And we were thrilled, um, enormously impressed by them, um, Very felt very supported by the enthusiasm they had for our, our brand and, um, and were sort of swept away by the belief in, in, um, in the life here. Some fans apparently traveled from as far away as Montreal to attend the event. Everyone clearly loving her style. She's a fashion icon. I don't think anybody doesn't know who Carrie is. And just the fact that her being here today in her first uh, Canadian store, uh, it's a huge milestone. She's really iconic and she just, she's a, an idol of mine. So it was very great to see her. Just to meet and meet with her and chat with her a little bit, maybe a photo with her later, is, is like really exciting for me. Oh, how nice for Edmonton. That's yeah. so cool. So exciting. Yeah, thanks Gotta for- go there now. <laughs> totally. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Jordan will be here at 11. <laughs>